Radio Film School is supported in part by Song Freedom, the only music licensing site where in addition to a wide variety of indie music, cinematic scores, R&B, alt-rock, and other genres, you can also license top 40 popular music as well as classic oldies but goodies. Go to songfreedom.com radio and use the offer code radio to unlock a free, standard, go-level license worth $30. The show is also supported in part by you, the listeners. Become a Daredreamer FM premium member, and for a monthly price equivalent to a large cup of gourmet coffee, you'll get access to exclusive bonus episodes, resources to help you grow in your craft and career like ebooks and templates, and much more. Head on over to daredreamer.fm slash join to learn more. You're listening to Daredreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Welcome to another episode of Radio Film Schools, A Filmmaker's Journey, the main series of the show. Each season will follow one primary topic, and this season, we're looking at finding your voice as an artist and developing a signature style. Enjoy. I think I'm set for jeans. No, you're not set for jeans, Cal. These are fine. They're not fine. You have a mom butt. Is that what you want? Why don't we just go to the Gap? You know what? They have a... Okay. What are you doing? Cal, be better than the Gap. Be better than the gap. Say it. I'm better than the gap. My mama cooks in Italy. My mama swims in Argentina. Mama's got a chunga, yeah. Man, oh man, I love me some crazy, stupid love. That was a scene from the movie wherein Ryan Gosling's character is helping Steve Carell be better than the gap. It's very much a Pygmalion story wherein Ryan's character helps Carell become a womanizing playboy in order to get over Carell's recent marriage woes. I play that scene because I thought it would be a fun introduction to today's topic, bridging the gap. Of course, the gap we're talking about has nothing to do with the multi-billion dollar apparel company. No, what we're talking about today is something that I'm confident you filmmakers and artists out there know all too well. It's that gap between what you have in your mind and what you're actually able to achieve. You know what I'm talking about. Let me explain. You may recall a few episodes ago when I told you the story about my adventures at Griffith Park Boys Camp, also known as Camp Griffo, hiking to the Hollywood Girls Camp and wanting to arrive in style. It was the In Search of Style episode. Well, consider this to be a sequel to that story. So there I am, all dressed up and looking dapper with my afro part down the side. I've changed clothes and the best disco beats are there playing on the dance floor. Then I see her, a vision of lowliness. Her name was Janelle. I was smitten. I literally chased her around the dance floor. And by literally, I mean the actual definition of literally, not the revised definition of literally that used to mean figuratively. I chased this poor girl around the dance floor so much that she tripped and hurt her ankle. But luckily, my charm was good enough that she took a liking to me anyway, and I got her name and address. Not bad for a fifth grader. But there was one of my fellow cabin mates who was not so happy for me. Let's call him Anthony. Anthony was jealous because he liked Janelle too, but she liked me more despite the injury I caused her. Anthony was furious. Insult was added to injury when later that night, back at the boys camp, I was awarded the Straight Arrow Award. Essentially, I was voted by the camp counselors as the best camper of the week. 
They take you up to the Griffith Park Hills and at night and they perform a sacred Indian ceremony to initiate you. Back then they still used the term Indian, not Native American. Part of the ceremony involved remaining silent for the remaining of the evening. Absolutely no talking. Now, it's probably at this point where you're again thinking to yourself, Ron, what the hell does any of this have to do with the gap? So let me invoke my good friend Kevin Spacey again and say, And now try to follow me, because I'm going to be moving in a kind of circular motion. So if you pay attention, there will be a point! So, when I get back to my cabin, sporting my Indian headgear and proudly carrying my straight arrow award, I learn that Anthony has been up to no good. That sucker went into my things and stole Janelle's contact info. And I couldn't say anything about it because of the whole Indian ceremony thing. I was vexed. I was very, very vexed. So the next morning, the last day of the camp, when I was allowed to talk again, I gathered around the other fellow cabin mates to come up with a plan to get that paper back. It was going to work like this. I would tease Anthony that I got the paper back. He would say, no you didn't. Then I would say, yes I did. Then he would say, no you didn't. And then I would say, "Uh uh-huh, I did too. So there. And he would go into his bag, pull out the paper, hold it up and say, see, no you didn't. I have it right here. At that point, Omar, who was the fastest kid in the cabin, you know, he won all the camp races that week. He would race by Anthony's bed and snatch the paper from his hand and bring it back to me. Man, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible had nothing on this plan. It was brilliant. Convoluted, but brilliant. At least brilliant in the mind of a fifth grader. You may not be too surprised to learn that it didn't really pan out like that. I said my line, but Anthony didn't really play along. In fact, it turns out, I think he threw the paper away. What seemed like a great idea when we conceived it, in actuality, didn't really work out the way we had planned it. There was this valley between the dream and reality, a gap between the conception and the execution. It plagued me as a 10-year-old back at Camp Griffo, and it plagues me now, over 30 years later. During my many hours of conversations with filmmakers for the show, it turns out that I'm not the only one who deals with this issue. I've made some things that I kind of amuse me and like, mm-hmm. you know, I think are good. And, but I, I've never made anything that I've never had to apologize for in some way. That's Sam Messman, CEO of We Make Movies and co-founder of the digital post-production company FCP Works. I almost look at what I've been doing with We Make Movies a little bit as like getting my doctorate or something. Hmm. And, and now it's like I, I understand these, these means of productions in a way where like I know exactly what I can and can't do on set. And uh, I've been doing it long enough and churning out projects where it's like it's sort of practice behavior where now I can look at something that I've really written and that I'm passionate about. And I know exactly how much I need in order to go do it. And I'm just not going to do it unless I have the money to do it. But I know like... I at least, I think, can execute what's in my brain now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is often often hard to do. I mean, I find that what I execute never looks like what I had in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, maybe sometimes it changes. I mean, well, it's weird, too, because, I mean, sometimes it may end up better, you know, in some cases because of how you work with people. But that's sort of what I found as part of my process too is I don't 
I think the long, I think initially it, it I think a lot of people start off and, and I certainly did, which is like, no, I want it to be my way, the way I had it in my brain. But actually, you know, if you find some people that you enjoy collaborating with, they're going to bring so much to your project if you just let them. In fact, this issue of the gap transcends filmmaking and is applicable to all kinds of artists. It was made most popular by a video of This American Life host and executive producer Ira Glass, a video that a lot of filmmakers I interviewed have seen. So this week, we're going to hear some of these filmmaker stories about dealing with and trying their best to be better than the gap. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, A Filmmaker's Journey. The hard thing about critiquing someone else's work is the real question is, what were you trying to to do? What were you going for? And did you, as the creator of it, do you feel like you achieved that goal? That's the voice of DP Ryan Booth, an extremely talented filmmaker and creator of the hit music performance web series, Serial Box Presents. Ryan is a highly sought after and respected DP, and I used my interview with him to get some input and critique on my own work. It was in the process of addressing that topic that he first brought up the issue of the gap. If the answer is no, if there's a distance between what you wanted to achieve and what you actually achieved, then I think critique is helpful in the sense that, well, what are some ways that we could potentially close that gap next time? But me going, this is how I would do it, and this is what I would do, and this and that and the other, is not necessarily, I don't ever, when, I, when people are critiquing my work, that's actually not that helpful because at the end of the day, like, you know, you're Ron and I'm Ryan and like, I'm only going to be able to make it like Ryan would make it. And you're only going to be able to make it like Ron would make it. So how can we, how can I help you make it more like what was in Ron's head? Does that make sense? No, that makes total sense. Um, And it's funny, you know, like when you're producing a documentary, I do a lot of documentary films and uh, common themes come up and it's, it's almost like one of the things I love about documentaries is when you get a story that is almost, it almost feels like it was written as opposed to something that actually existed and you just yeah. kind of discovered. And so I love it when I'm doing a, a documentary, particularly if it's a series, kind of like how this is, mm-hmm. where common themes come up, and especially if those themes have specific words that are repeated. One of the themes that has consistently come up with the conversations I've been having with filmmakers is a word you just specifically said, the gap. Mm. And um, the gap between what you have in your head and what you actually achieve and uh, and a common uh, resource or a, a common video that has come up with regards to that is the famous Ira Glass right. commentary where he talks about, he calls it the gap. And, you know, this has come up at least two or three times in conversations I've had. And this idea of, one, closing that gap over time, I guess first recognizing there's a gap, which isn't too hard to do when you have something in your head that you picture and then you see the final thing and they don't look anything alike. Um, But I love that you you made that comment because I think one of the things that, one of the things I'm discovering is that when, when it comes to creating your style that a a key component is embracing whatever it is 
whatever vision that you have and embracing it and being okay with it and and I guess embracing it, like really taking it in. And so when you talk about like what would Ryan do versus what would Ron would do, uh, I think that's a key part of that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, for you as 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 your style has developed, is that something that you discovered on your own or how did you go about discovering what it is that Ryan would do? I think kind of the paradox of di- discovering, you know, what it is that is your kind of style is that it, it is a pretty intensely selfish journey in the sense that, like, um, you really have to not be interested in what other people are interested in and or what they think about what you're doing because some people can be incredibly analytical and intentional and that's how like out of that kind of like um you know this kind of intentionality and and like obsession with detail out of that kind of this this uh, beautiful kind of style emerges for me it's completely intuition um, meaning like I will light or I will compose or I will move the camera or I will, uh, you know, be thinking about a story. And it's there is like um, something I just have that feeling like kind of in my gut that I'm like, that's that's it. That's like that's interesting. Let's follow that path a little bit more. Um, and I think kind of for me being intentional about listening to my gut, um, mm-hmm. it's a very small voice a lot of times. Um, just kind of going like, all right, that's interesting. Let's chase that down. Um, being willing to chase that down, whatever it is um, on any given project, could be literally could be a composition. It could be the way the light's falling. It could be um, just going like this idea or this thing is interesting to me. I'm going to chase that down. That the aggregate of, for me of chasing down that intuition is my style. One filmmaker who has a lot of wise insight into style and story is friend of the show Patrick Moreau of the Emmy award-winning studio Steel Motion and of LearnStory.org. In one of my many conversations with Patrick, we got into the topic of imitation as a form of inspiration. That inevitably led us back to, you guessed it, the gap. But in the process of like trying to say like copy something the way you may do it or imitate um, something the way you may do it, <laughs> my way of doing it starts to come out and one of the things i'm learning is like when you see that unique spark of individuality like that's what you grab onto and that's what you kind of grow what do you think is that a good take am i on to something absolutely i think that that's a a big part of it you know and and i think it's, it's also the confidence that comes from just getting the results yeah yeah. You know, is is you know really, um, and then going wait, like I I can do this. It's it's Ira Glass's the gap, right? The idea of of we can see the work in our head, but what we can actually deliver. Um, and I think that so many of us uh, we we get stuck in that gap where the work we're creating in whatever industry is so far from what we imagine in our head that we just can't persist long enough. And imitation is a way of getting quick results that go, wait a minute, like I can do, you know, look, I got, I got something here. Um, and I think more so it gives you that confidence that like, maybe I can do this and it helps you persist. And then you get those insights out of it as well. When we return, we'll hear another conversation I had with Patrick regarding this issue, as I give you all the long awaited update on my documentary film passion project, Little Mixed Sunshine. So stay tuned. 
Lately, I've been, I've been losing sleep, dreaming about the things that we could be. As we start 2016, I'm excited about the possibilities of where the show can go. But it takes a lot to run a show like this. And we probably could not have gone this far without the help of our sponsor, Song Freedom. There are many wonderful resources for finding music you can legally use in your productions. Like Song Freedom, most of them have songs that span multiple genres. Alt-rock, hip-hop, R&B, singer-songwriter, indie, ambience. But many of you listening out there have personal event video production companies where your clients want to use that song that otherwise would technically be illegal. Contemporary hits from artists like The Lumineers, Lady Gaga, Imagine Dragons, American Authors, The Afters, or One Republic. Or... Maybe you want a classic oldies but goodies tune from the likes of Etta James, Frank Sinatra, The Temptations, or Bob Dylan. Song Freedom is most likely the only North American site where you'll be able to legally license music from these artists for your personal event clients. Or maybe you need an inspirational ambient tune for that commercial project you're working on. They've got you covered there as well. One huge way you can support Radio Film School is by supporting our sponsors. What's great about music licensing sites is that they're not mutually exclusive. I'm sure you have your favorite site that you like to frequently use, but do me a huge favor. Go to songfreedom.com radio and use the offer code radio and they'll hook you up with a free gold level standard license worth $30. Everybody wins. And isn't that the best kind of world we want to live in? One where everybody wins? Of course it is. We thank Song Freedom for their support. I don't think I even remember the first time that I realized that I was different than my mom. I can't imagine what it was like for my mom being single and having um, a black daughter. That's a clip from Little Mixed Sunshine the first installment in my Mixed in America documentary film series about biracial people. And with that clip comes the next Radio Film School installment of Shooting Sunshine, my behind-the-scenes audio diary about the making of that film. Previously on Shooting Sunshine, this is what you heard. I'm sitting with Imani. The subject of Mixed in America that I started shooting or recorded the interview... January 2011, I think. 11. You were 16? Four years ago, I was 16. This is the film that I've set to shoot in the month of July, and pretty much the only time I have to shoot it is on weekends, and weekends come a lot faster than you planned when uh, you're shooting a film, so I don't know. Well, here we are again. It is Sunday, August 9th, 2015, and I am finally on my way to pick up 
one of my crew members to shoot Mixed in America episode one, Little Mixed Sunshine. And as usual, not everything is going exactly how I was originally envisioning it. So I am going to be creative and come up with ways to do things that I originally was planning to do in a different way. But uh, I'm going to work with it. And I guess if I'm honest, there's always... There's that part of me that kind of feels like... uh, There's a part of me that feels like... Like, what is this really going to do? But, like, how long do you hold out to get your vision and then never get the damn thing done? So, it's been about five months now since shooting what I thought would be the final scenes necessary to finally finish this project. In fact, this month actually marks the fifth anniversary of me posting that very first teaser trailer you heard at the beginning of the segment. Last summer, I thought for sure I would be able to finally finish this damn project and share it with the world. So you may be asking, what's holding it up now? Well, it's exactly what we've been talking about on this episode, that infamous gap. You see, I have this vision for part of this film that I have not yet been able to actualize, and I'm struggling with how I want to handle it. As a bit of therapy and professional feedback, I asked Patrick Moreau his thoughts on this predicament. And there are a few scenes, like based on the audio and the voiceover I have, that I don't have in the can. And there's one particular shot that I want to do. And honestly, Patrick, I'm kind of, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to say it, because if I say it and I put it on air, that means. If it's not in the film, people are going to know that I didn't do it. <laughs> so you gave up on yourself, Ron. You gave up on yourself. <laughs> so it's the shot where the the girl playing my daughter at the time is looking at a giant television screen of Chris Rock's documentary. So it's meant to be sort of like this dreamlike, esoteric representation of her watching this movie and having it be this huge thing in her life. And... Um, just having trouble finding the location and finding the time and it's like do I keep trying to get this shot or do I just say come up with something else like is it worth even trying to get it when I have problems like that and with Mm -hmm. a situation like this I try and focus on like the goal Mm -hmm. and then see if maybe there's another way to get there because sometimes we get so focused on the problem that we lose sight of the goal right so it's like like you're, you're trying to create this really large screen um, and you're having, you know, the production challenges of how do I actually do this? But it feels like the goal is to come up with a physical representation of how much this moment affected her life. Oh, and so, yeah. you know, cool. I would be going back and looking at, you know, what other ways can I use lens choices and composition and even the positioning of the TV in the room in relation to her to make it feel big and looming and exaggerated that could really lower your production time mm. um, but still give that effect that when you cut from, you know, maybe possibly shooting down on her a little bit more compressed to, you know, really in close on a TV that is then distorted and wide and you're shooting up on it, that you're giving it that still that looming effect that it's really, you know, bigger than her and larger than her and everything else. Um, so I'd, I'd probably look at it that way. I think that it definitely, uh, I love the idea. I love the, the depth that it brings and, and what you're, you know, saying with it. Um, so I would I'd definitely go for it. I'd just look at... Uh, is that the best way to achieve what you what you want to achieve? Dude, you are the jam. I love that idea. Like, I think of myself as a creative person, Patrick. And it's funny, I have never 
I've never asked this question of anyone. It's like, I've, I guess tunnel vision is maybe the best word. Yeah. Like, so tunnel vision on this particular shot and getting it. Like you said, I've focused on the problem whether, rather than the, um, the solution and, rather, and what I was trying to achieve. It's almost weird that I never even thought to ask anyone. Just until now, as I was talking to you, I was like, yeah, I'm going to ask Patrick what he thinks about this. Because literally, like for weeks, I've been thinking, like, how am I going to get this freaking shot? Like, how yeah. am I going to do yeah. it? And it just seems like such a simple solution to hear you say it. That's awesome. Well, it's hard to put yourself out there. I mean, when you do have these things that you care about, and it is hard to, especially, you know, as the host of a podcast, that, you know, you're going to have a lot of people hear it. That, like right. you said, you're, you're putting it on record, and... You know, nobody wants to be seen as like a failure or they gave up or whatever else. And so I think so many times we I think we hold ourselves back in so much of what we do mm-hmm. because we're so worried about failing that we just don't want to tell anybody that we we had that idea or we were thinking about it. Sometimes you will fail. Sometimes you won't be able to live up to it and you just have to, I guess, roll the punches. But you know, I think the more times you put yourself out there, the more you will actually, you will succeed and you'll feel good about it. And and people will, will reach out too. I mean, like what just happened, you know, you talk to Ryan and he gives you some ideas, you share it with me and I'll share some ideas and, you know, people will say that they'll help you on the shoot or they've got this or that or ideas for you. And that's, that's the reality of, you know, as you put it out there, it can start to actually physically manifest itself because then people support and they see it and whatever else. And, you can have a ton of failures along the way, but you're still in that direction versus the receding direction where we just hide and we don't really talk about it or share it. And then that's all we start seeing is the reasons we shouldn't or we can't or we won't. And it just gets further and further from reality. It's been months since I first recorded that interview with Patrick. And I'm hesitant to admit that as of this recording, I still have not shot that scene. I'm honestly still wrestling with how important it is to get it. But there are other scenes I need based on the voiceover I have, so the problem is bigger than just a short five-second shot. But now that I've been covering the making of this film on this podcast, I'm determined more than ever to get her done. And Patrick's words have inspired me. Part of the problem has been that this is not a paid gig. It's a passion project. And trying to juggle the work I put into a non-paid gig versus everything else I have to do to run my business and be a husband and dad, well, well, everything is just can be really daunting. Patrick seemed to have an answer for that predicament as well. That would be my answer to, you know, you're looking at the marketing side and the um, passion side and just following those projects you love. And I think that you have to make them one and the same and realize that as a small business or a small team, you're marketing yourself. You are the brand, your, your overall vision. And I think it comes down to trying to get clarity on what it is you do and why you do it. And then finding a story that is very connected to that, which, mm-hmm. you know, is is just about taking the time to figure those things out. But um, they are highly related. And so I think if you can take the time to bring those together, you're not doing it for a marketing purpose. You're doing it because you want to attract people that love what you love. Right. So find that, find that and do that at a really high level just because you care, because you're that invested. It is amazing how where it can take you. One of our largest projects ever that's like several hundred thousand dollars for uh, the Vital Voices Foundation. And they are, it's a foundation formed by Hillary Clinton. We're going to like Iraq and Cuba and Nigeria. And it's they're all personal episodes 
on um, girls who are doing incredible women who are doing incredible things in their countries and then are being brought into like this mentorship program with vital voices and so like before they go on stage at the conference we're going to do a five minute piece that really shares their story in a personal way it is the remarkable ones they have called us and they're asking us to to film four remarkable women across the world except it's a commercial project like we get yeah. we get paid for that um and they saw our series they saw those episodes they saw things like old school which was another pro bono piece so like we are um, in many ways we are living our dream doing work that we really really love because we actually put it out there first and we had kind of the the gumption to just go out and, and try it yeah um, regardless of whether or not we failed and now people are asking for that exactly yeah So we've talked a lot about this video of Ira Glass quite a bit in this episode. Seems like everybody and his mother in the creative community has seen it. And whether or not you have, I couldn't end this podcast without a small taste of that clip. Nobody uh, tells people who are beginners. And I really wish somebody had told this to me. And all of us who do creative work, like, you know, we get into it. And we get into it because we have good taste. Do you know what I mean? Like, you want to make... TV because you love TV, you know what I mean? Because there's stuff that you just like love, okay? So you've got really good taste and you get into this thing that, that I don't even know how to describe, but it's like there's a gap that for the first couple of years that you're making stuff, what you're making isn't so good, okay? It's not that great. It's, it's really not that great. It's, it's trying to be good. It has ambition to be good, but it's not quite that good. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, your, your taste is still killer and your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to you, you know what I mean? Like you can tell that it's still sort of crappy. A lot of people never get past that phase. A lot of people at that point, they quit. And the thing I would just like say to you with all my heart is that m most everybody I know who does interesting creative work, they went through a phase of years where they had really good taste, they could tell what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it felt short, you know, and, and like and some of us can admit that to ourselves and some of us are a little less able to admit that to ourselves. But we knew like it didn't have this special thing that we wanted it to have. And the thing I would say to you is everybody goes through that. And for you to go through it, if you're going through it right now, if you're just getting out of that phase, or if you're just starting off and you're entering into that phase, you gotta know it's totally normal. And the most important possible thing you could do is do a lot of work do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week or every month you know you're going to finish one story. You know what I mean? Whatever it's going to be, like you create the deadline. It's best if you have somebody who's waiting for work for you, somebody who's expecting it from you, even if it's not somebody who pays you, but that you're in a situation where you have to turn out the work. Because it's only by actually going through a volume of work that you're actually going to ca catch up and close that gap. And your the work you're making will be as good as your ambitions. You know, that's the cool thing about the gap, again, you know, they keep talking about the gap, but is that um, with some intention and some practice, like, you can make big strides in a hurry, um, closing that gap, you know? Um, and, and I think that anytime you kind of start to see that shrinking, it's encouragement to kind of keep going, to keep going, um, and working harder and making sure that, um, you know, you are able to kind of accomplish the things you want to accomplish and, and work with the people you want to work with. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, even if you know there's a way to go, like any progress you make is, is uh, you know, it's, it's a step towards that positive feedback loop where it's just kind of, you know, you're getting the right projects, working with the right people and able to, you have the skill set and the tool set to be able to 
uh, you know, do some amazing stuff. So my fellow filmmaking friends, there you have it. The secret to bridging, or rather closing the gap. May you find the time, the inspiration, and the chutzpah to go out there, share your vision, and in doing so, you will be able to be better than the gap. Be better than the gap. Be better than the gap. Say it. I'm better than the gap. Stay tuned past the credits to hear scenes from the next episode of Radio Film School, A Filmmaker's Journey. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me with production help from Chris Huslidge. Music was curated from freemusicarchive.com, KevinLacowitz and Competech.com, and as well as Song Freedom. Links to artists and tracks are in the show notes. Remember, go to songfreedom.com slash radio and use offer code radio to earn yourself a free standard gold level license worth $30. I would love for 2016 to be the year that our show really takes off. And to do that, I really need your help. If you love what we're doing here, first, subscribe in iTunes. That's one of the best ways you can help the show. Then, if you haven't done so already, leave us a rating and review in iTunes. Lastly, spread the word. Share this episode with just one friend you know really needs to hear this message. Thanks again for listening, and remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. On the next installment of Radio Film School, A Filmmaker's Journey. I think they think that because you got three or four Vimeo staff picks, you're rich, right? Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> like... I mean, you can look at my Instagram from the past year. It looks great. I mean, you know, like <laughs> no one's going to Instagram. I, you know, I can't get out of bed today because I'm so depressed and I have, to, I, I spent three hours at the unemployment office. That's not going to be, you know, on your Facebook. The temptation for sure is to look at other filmmakers, uh, whether they be peers or ahead of you. I'm like, man, they've got it together. And just to look at, you know, when Nick and I to look at each other and go, man, people think we got it together. I mean, there is no like got it together. Have you guys all seen Mozart or Amadeus? I haven't. Oh, nope. dude. I have not. Dude, <laughs> talking to all these young people, yeah. these babies. Amadeus is about Mozart, and it's uh, an amazing film. You guys need to go see it tonight. That's your homework segment. In the next installment of our Filmmaker's Journey segment, we look at what I call the Salieri Syndrome. How do you cope with feeling like your work is just mediocre? If you've ever felt like that, or if you've had issues with comparing yourself to others and feeling like you just suck, you won't want to miss that episode. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression.